Welcome back to another episode of the Decision Hour. I'm your host, Adam Bird. And folks, I'm excited about this interview I got lined up for you today. Um, I'm blessed to know this woman. Uh, we've been friends on social media for, I don't know, a couple years. And then we finally got to meet like face-to-face uh, in Nashville, Tennessee, earlier this year at an event that she put on. We'll get into that here in just a little bit. She is the military money expert, founder of Mill Money Con. She's the host of uh, Military Money Show that you can hear on all the podcast platforms. She's a United States Air Force veteran and really just an all-around badass, badass gal. Um, I'm happy to bring on my friend, Lacey Langford. Lacey, how are you? I'm doing awesome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited about this, too. Yeah. Well, listen, let's... let's uh, dive into this. Tell the list, my listeners just a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so I grew up as an Army brat. My dad was a military police officer uh, in the Army. He was a jump master, so that kind of that was my way of life. Also, my grandparents were in the military, um, and then I decided I wanted to join. I wanted to join the Army, but my dad talked me out of it. He encouraged me to join the Air Force, <laughs> which I thought was hilarious. <laughs> Um, and I served this where I met my husband and basically I've only had one year of my life where I didn't hold an ID card. And, um, that's when I was dating my husband, I became a military spouse and rolled right into all the challenges that come with that and the perks. Yeah. But, um, and then, you know, started my career or education while I was still on active duty to become a financial professional. That's what I decided before I got out that I was going to go back to school for. So after I separated, that's what I did. I got my degree in business and finance and, but becoming a military spouse on my spring break made it difficult. You know, I struggled with un and underemployment and with small kids and my husband's infantry career, it made it very difficult for me to build my career as a financial coach. Yeah. And so that's what moved me into entrepreneurship. One day I just got like really pissed off and I was like, I want control of my career and my earning ability. So I'm going to create a business that's PCS proof yeah. that I can take with me everywhere. Yeah. He goes and because, you know, that was the the agreement, like his career was going to be at the forefront, um, which was under, you know, again, what we agreed on. Yeah. But I, I did want something for myself. And so then I started like learning the hard lessons of becoming an entrepreneur. Like I have to sell, I have to market and, you know, I have to get paying clients or it's a volunteer job. It's not a business if you're not making money at it. And so I created a website and then started moving into media, you know, putting blogging, letting people know that I'm qualified to help people market myself and then created a podcast and it's just evolved over time. But at the heart of what I do is, you know, I'm a financial coach that helps the military community. So you being in the service, you found a niche. I think you, you have a passion for finance, you're teaching, you're coaching, excuse me, coaching money, mostly to them. Is that, would you, would you say that's your primary clientele is the military community? Absolutely. All of my clients are military affiliated. Yeah. I tried once to coach people that are outside the military. And that's when I realized the military is my niche. Yeah. Active duty service members are my niche. Um, Cause when I tried to help a civilian, it just, 
if like one hour felt like 10 hours, it just like dragged on versus, you know, helping a military person, you know, <laughs> one hour feels like 10 minutes because we understand there's a lot of nuances that are unsaid, like things about the military that we just know is our culture yeah. and the communication style being very direct, having a sense of humor about things, trying to find the positive, right. you know, even though, you know, embracing the suck is the way of life, but that, you know, helping a civilian actually helped me determine like the path that I wanted to go on as a financial coach. Often when you do something and it feels horrible, then that's the thing you should stop doing. So those of you that are listening right now, and there's a lot of military and veterans that listen to this show and then followed me for years. Um, if you're listening, it means you're already online. So just open up another browser, do yourself a favor, open up another browser and go to Lacey Langford dot com l a c e y l a n g f o r d dot com that's her website get to know it save it and and then pay attention here because we're going to get into some other stuff here um what would you say lacy is the biggest mistake that military people do with their money or who who do, I, I and i guess i guess where i'm going with this is 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 like you know you have that one that just joined. I I have uh, uh, my son is is you know ROTC and he's getting into the you know he's going to be twenty one and I keep telling him like hey be frugal you know make sure you do that. so those that are just getting in when I got in it was just like first paycheck let's go buy a car that you can't afford and you're paying rent and all this other crap because you weren't living in the barracks. <clears throat> What's the biggest mistake would you say that people make? And what should they be doing instead? Or what should they be doing right now? I think the biggest mistake people make is overcomplicating it. And I think that's the fault of people in the financial industry is using jargon and making it to be all of these things. At the heart, I mean, if basic, the one thing you need to know is you need to spend less than you make and save for the future. That's really, a, truly, if you want to be financially successful, yeah. that is bottom line what you have to do. In your earning years right now, we are earning money for two people, actually. We're earning money for ourselves and our 84-year-old self. So if you're not saving and putting money away each month or whenever you can, you are not providing quality of life for your 84-year-old self. Like if you think it sucks right now, imagine not having enough money when you're 84 and not able to work yeah. or, you know, yeah. or be able to hire people to help you to yeah. do things. Welcome to Walmart. Well, you know, yes. <laughs> yes. And it, it's, it, we laugh, but it's like serious. Like that's really what it is is they, they don't have the quality of life that they need or want. And so they are forced um, to work at an age where, you know, they you should know, have I've been, been to a restaurant and I'm like, I see somebody like my grandma back there cooking. I'm like, I should feel like I need to get up and go cook my own meal. Like this is wrong that they're cooking for me, even right. though I'm at a restaurant. So, um, but I think, you know, like, and also remember, like you're young, like we should be realistic about expectations. Like I thought that was really nice of you that you got a car. I just blew mine on. I don't even know what, probably just going out. Like, that's, <laughs> you know, when I was young and enlisted like that, I have nothing to show. For. Why did I have a 300 so, bar, $300 bar tab? <laughs> That's exactly it. That is exactly it. And so um, understanding that you, you know, you work hard for your money, you should live your life, you should have quality of life. But you also need to understand like you aren't a millionaire. So no, you, you can't afford a $300 bar tab, right. you know, Friday and Saturday. Um, you know, so it's like, you need to budget for that. So, so be realistic. So because military people can get in trouble if they get into like fi financial uh, situation. I I would think now I'm 
I'm not sure, but I'm going to ask the question. It's like, you know, if you have like, if you hold a, uh, like a, you'd have trouble getting like a security clearance for some positions or or whatnot. I've been told, is that, is that true? It is. It's getting a security clearance. You have to go through the adjudication process. And one of the, like, I think it's 11 things that they look at. One of them is your finances. And it is very, very rare for you to not receive or, you know, get your security clearance pulled for your finances. They give you an opt- opportunity to rectify the situation. Mm. And often if they do take one, there are, you know, in that adjudication process, you've hit on a couple of the points yeah. that are, you know, that they're looking for a red flag. But, you know, at the heart of it, it's like if you become a national security risk because of your finances, yes, you're going to lose your security clearance. Because yeah. if you have, you know, if you're a 21-year-old with, you know, $300,000 worth of debt, um, it can be real tempting when somebody approaches you to be like, "Would you just take a picture of that piece of equipment that you work at and just give it to us, you know, um, not realizing oh, the yeah. impact that that's going to have on national security. And so um, that's ultimately what it's about, but yeah. it's rare that it would be pulled. So if, if they're seeing that your finances are a problem, you're going to get notified by your security officer and they're going to say, this is what we're seeing as a problem. You need to fix it. And then you let us know how you fixed it and you come back to us and then we'll review it again. So there's plenty of opportunity. They see that you're not paying your bills. Yeah. Like if you've committed to, you know, you, you took out a car loan, you took out, you know, ran up a credit card, whatever it is, and you're not paying those, you're not fulfilling the obligation that you made. So that's an issue for them. Um, and so they're going to point it out and you need to fulfill the obligation and resolve the situation. Um, but it's, you know, it would be a rare situation when you would lose it, but because they give you a lot of opportunities to fix the problem. All right. I'll, so let's say I'm a, <clears throat> you talked a little bit earlier about, you know, you're, you're, you're working and you're saving for two people, the person that you are now and the 84 year old, you, you know, of yourself. How does one or, or uh, what advice could you give somebody that's listening that, that maybe they're two, three years into their military career right now, or, or maybe somebody that's just kind of like they've never really saved or anything like that? Is there a, a, a direction that they should kind of go to? You know, is it, you know, I always grew up like, hey, you need to save X amount of dollars and then put it in a savings account. Or, you know, I've had some people come up don't put it in the bank, put it in gold and silver or, or whatever. Is there, is there something that you tell people, Hey, look at this or, or is it just pick something, save something and and just start say, or just get started? Like what, what do you tell people? Yeah. It goes back to that, like keeping it simple. So if you're on active duty, the easiest way or guard reserve is to contribute to the thrift savings plan. That's the easiest way. Um, Make the minimum contribution, get the matching contribution for the DOD, um, you know, give 5% of your income and they'll match it. That's really important baseline. Put it into, you know, you could put it into a life cycle fund, which is like a target date fund. So it's like getting close to it's a number of the age that you're going to retire at. And as you get closer to retirement, they reduce the risk in your portfolio. And so that's the easiest way to do it. If you do a life cycle fund for your age that you're going to retire at, that's the easiest way. And then just contribute the money each month, get used to living without it. Um, don't ever take out loans from your any of your retirement accounts. You're robbing your 84-year-old self if you take a loan off of that. Yeah. Um, you know, and just know that if you do take it out, like that's the consequence. Like whatever you did, like 
that's the reality of the world. Like you, you did rob from your 84 year old self and try to do better in the future. Um, but I think it's important to, to just be true to yourself. Nobody's going to help you pay your bills. Nobody's going to be there when you don't have money in retirement. So don't, you know, have your plan. So whether that be, you know, Hey, I'm 21, I'm going to give $150 each month. If you can give 10% of your income, like that's your, you're knocking it out of the park. Yeah. If you can give more. That's awesome. And just get used to living without it. Like, you know, as you get older, you can increase your quality of life. But like, if you are living in the barracks and you're used to that and you move out and, you know, a couple of years older, keep living like you were in the barracks. Yeah. Like you don't need to live like a rock star. Like now that you got your own place and no need to be living high on the hog. Like you don't need to change things. You don't need to, you know, buy a brand new car, you know, used car is just fine. Um, but be true to yourself in that you know how much money you're going to save each month. And then when that money, you know, runs out, like you don't have any more, I mean, the, you've put the money into your savings, yeah. but you have your en entertainment budget or you're going out to eat budget or whatever. When that money's gone, it's gone. You're not putting it on a credit card or anything like that. Right. How many of you that are listening to this right now, are like, Jesus, God, where was Lacey 20 years ago? <laughs> she, she was probably right she, beside you doing the same thing. <laughs> That's exactly where I'm she was. I was sitting here at 45, and I'm just like, so this is what I need to do tomorrow and get it started. Because in my 20s, I was I was horrible, and, and uh, I didn't know anything about financial literacy or, or anything like that. That stuff didn't really start until a couple years ago, quite frankly. And my, like I mentioned, my uh, my son, you know, he's, you know, hell bent on, on, Hey, I want to do this. I want to do this. Great. But this is how you're going to do it. And I told him like all through college, I will help you pay for college and, and all the other little tit tat stuff, your car insurance, your car, blah, 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 whatever. But this is what you're going to do with the money that you get from ROTC and going to school and, and this, this way, when you get commissioned and, and you go on into your career in the military, you're already kind of embedded like, okay, well, I'm, I need to set aside X amount of dollars every month. I didn't, I didn't have that. Nobody told me that when I was, you know, 18, 19, 20 years old. Hell, nobody told me that when I was 23. And I was just kind of like, eh, okay, I got some money. Let's go figure out some shiny object I can go blow it on. You know what I mean? Yes. Um, well, if it makes you feel any better, I was actually raised that to talk about money. My parents taught me all those things. I should be spending less than I make and saving, but I didn't listen to them. Yeah. You know, well, like that's because young. we're at that age when we, when yeah. we know everything, right? Yeah. You think you know <laughs> everything. You think you know everything, have it all figured oh, out yeah. and you're just like living life yeah. and just, you know, totally self-absorbed, not thinking oh, yeah. about the future. Yeah. You're just in the moment, which is great. Like I wonderful memories of being in the moment, right. but Wish I would have dialed that back just to scooch right. and not so many, you know, experiences and moments and more in my bank account. Everybody listening, if you're listening to this, Lacey knows what she's talking about. And if you're in the military, you're a veteran, guard or reserve, reach out to her, LaceyLangford.com. And we're going to have uh, her website and all of her uh, social media contacts in the show notes uh, below as well. Lacey, you founded mill money con let's talk about yes. that what for the listeners what is mill money con so it's a conference for financial professionals that are united by military service whether you're just starting out or you're established so that's for active duty service members that are getting close to separating their retiring retiring and would like a career in finance definitely trying to connect them with mentorship and opportunities to understand the playing field 
Um, I've created the conference because of a lot of things that I've struggled with. It, it shouldn't have taken me so long to build a financial career. You know, I didn't have mentorship when I got out of the military to understand like, you know, what all the jobs I could do. I could be a financial planner. I could be an analyst. I could be a counselor. I could be a coach. And, you know, how much money can I earn in those positions? What credentials and education do I need? I wasted a lot of money on some things that I didn't need to, to be in the space that I'm in. Um, so connecting them, but also military spouses. Like it's you, a lot of times you're not able to work traditional hours and build a career in finance in a traditional way. So connecting them with opportunities to earn or make a living that work around military life. I always say that for a long time because of my husband's infantry career, I had to work preschool hours. I worked three days a week for three hours when my boys were in preschool. I volunteered. I volunteered so much. I had a cat card. Like that's how, you know, that's the level of volunteering I did. <laughs> so, um, but I, you know, kept a schedule and went in and did um, counseling and coaching for service members during those preschool hours. Um, and then, you know, there's a lot of people that want to help the military community with money. You know, it's a very protected environment and rightfully so. Right. You know, it's definitely stranger danger yeah. when you're trying to come around the community and, you know, preach about money and, you know, what are you selling? What are your products, your services? So, um, you know, making sure people know what's going on in the community as a financial professional who we're recommending and referring, kind of connecting them with all of that stuff. And then also, um, you know, just the job opportunity is really important. So I see, get to talk to all these people because of my podcast and people will say, well, you know, I'm creating an app for the military community because nobody's doing it. It's so needed. And I'm like, you're right. So needed, but there's actually four other people doing one. Right. You just didn't know about each other because we're operating in silos. Like we need to come together, start having a conversation about the things we're doing and how we could support each other at, at a baseline, just refer like, Hey, there's this program or this is resource or this is app technology um, to let, you know, people know about it. Um, and then, you know, I have a platform, I have a microphone, there's a lot of people that have a really great message, but they don't have a microphone. Right. So how can I help amplify the good work that they're doing? Um, and vice versa, like, how can I have really great resources to share with my audience that can help them in a positive way? And so the conference is kind of all of those things rolled into one It's like rising tides lift all ships, a strong, stronger financial force can lead to a stronger military force, a fighting force, um, because that is one of the biggest stressors for the military community is their money. You know, you, you said a lot right there that you hit on, and I want to, I want to kind of highlight something there real quick, <clears throat> excuse me, is you know, in the military communities, we don't know a lot of what it, because we just get that tunnel vision sometimes. I'm guilty of it. I'm calling myself under the bus here because it's like I've been, you know, uh, in the podcast in the entertainment industry now for literally a decade. Not a lot of people know what I do, but I'm not out there beating my chest. I'm kind of quiet. I kind of keep my head. I'm really shy for the most part. I but was like, are you? <laughs> Let's be honest. No, I hear what you're saying. You're, yeah, you're me too. But, me too. But but it but it's like, um, and, and that's just it. And then I think sometimes, you know, when I first started off, if I saw another network, like we had the first all veteran podcast network in 2012, and then it was like you saw other networks coming along, and you were just like, oh, they're competition, this that, and I was like, wait a minute, nah, I let's let's become allies and and you know, kind of take over, kind of like if you look at, let's take over mainstream media because that's so corrupt. You know, let's, let's start that kind of a thing. And, and so anyway, that's, you, we have to work together. I, I totally agree with what you said. There's the, you know, there's the sandbox is a very, very big place to play and there's enough room for everybody. And I think if we're taking care of each other, 
it's just going to be that more fruitful uh, for everyone, quite frankly, my opinion. No, no, I totally agree. I always say, especially like in the financial space, that it can be so easy to look at. I mean, I guess it applies to the world too. It's so easy to just find things that make us different. But ultimately, you know, as financial professionals, we are trying to improve the quality of life for an individual or yeah. family. That's, you know, if we could stay united and focused in that, like we, we may go about it in a different way. Yeah. Um, there may be, you know, things that I do that not everybody agrees with or the way that I communicate or my voice or whatever it is um, that, you know, it, it might resonate with you. It might not. But if we could stay focused on actually what we are united in, that's really helpful in building a community that can make a really positive impact it, yeah. it, that's truly what it is like if you are coming together and we're all staying focused on that main goal then then it's like all right okay i, I can't help this person but i'm going to refer them to this person like right. or this resource yeah. and and the bottom line is that by us being united no one was turned away you know anybody a, that needed that, anybody that yeah. needed help got it yeah that, that karma what goes around camera you you're being really uh it, 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 you're focused on the purpose and the purpose i think you know, I've known you long enough to know you're, you know, you're, you are very, you've always been kind to me and everybody that I've passed along to you or anybody that we've talked to about or whatnot. And it's always like, what's the purpose? And the purpose is we want to help people get to where they want to go. And that's, that's a big thing. And that's a big, big focus. At least <clears throat> I know it is, uh, you know, for, for us here uh, at HMG as well. Mill Money Con, great conference. First off, congratulations on that. When's the next one? It's April 25th through the 27th in 2024 in Denver. I'm really looking forward to it. I'm trying to move it across the country, you know, make it more accessible and closer for people to attend. But I think, you know, the tide is starting to pick up and I think, you know, it's going to have a greater impact. And I appreciate you coming this year and being there. That was uh, really awesome just to have um you know people there and involved and again like making connections and bringing the community together there's so many people that like you that have a platform and um and also you know are a member of this community so i'm I'm really looking forward to seeing what's going to happen in 2024 as it as it grows and hopefully um you know has a, a a positive impact on more people yeah i've blocked those dates out on my calendar when you told Please? me it was going to be in denver and i was like mm, okay i guess i know where i'm going to be in April. Um, Yay. <laughs> um, as we're coming up on time here, I got another question for you. You mentioned your uh, your show, um, Military Money Show. How long have you been doing that? Um, a little over five years. Five yeah. years. Yeah, I know. It seems kind of wild uh, looking back. Um, but yeah, I'm, I didn't realize that, that it would be something that I enjoy so much. I do, you know, in the beginning, it's awkward. You're just talking to yourself in a microphone and it's a little weird or, or meeting with people online. But I really enjoy having conversations and hearing the work that people are doing and, and learning myself. I learn so much in every interview that I do. Um, you know, even talking to financial professionals is intimidating for me. And so I really try to make the conversation approachable yeah. to listeners because yeah. I'm right there with you. There are some people I interview and I'm like, oh man, I hope they don't quiz me <laughs> about money, <laughs> even though um, yeah. there's always there's always somebody smarter, you know, bigger. <laughs> that's a great question. Room. Let me get back to you on that one. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like that's what's great. We could edit out this dead air or this Google, Google search that I have to do. But um, I love these pre-recorded interviews. <laughs> yes, yes. 
But I think that's, you know, what it's about is like learning, you know, meeting people where they're at and, I you know, try to cover different topics that I think can be helpful or, you know, or that listeners have said, hey, I want to learn more about this and um, trying to have, you know, people in the community that I don't always have guests that are military affiliated. I have guests that, you know, support our community and want to help them with their finances. So that's really what the whole show is about, how to help the military community make, save, and invest money wisely. Just to, you know, keep it simple, make smart choices and know that nobody's perfect with money. That's, you know, the whole show. I really do want it to be approachable that, you know, people make mistakes. Even I make mistakes with money and you just learn and you improve and you get better over time. I love it. <clears throat> Again, if you're listening, open up another browser, LaceyLangford.com. You're going to be able to find the show on her website uh, as well. Lacey, we're coming up on time. I got one last question for you. Uh, you're on a show called The Decision Hour. We have to make decisions every single day. Name a time in your life when your feet were on the line and you had to make that decision. What was it and what was the atmosphere like? Mm. You know, I think the conference was a very hard decision for me. It was like, I I have the ability to do this. It would be a massive undertaking. It would, you know, it, it would be a risk, be a major risk for my business um, and to my reputation and all of these things. But what ultimately made me say yes and make that decision to move forward was that I thought I could really help a lot of people. And my, I might be embarrassed or I might fail, but if I succeed, the what's going to happen from my, you know, succeeding would have a really great impact on other people and help people. And so I decided to make that leap to take the risk and, and continue to take the risk. But I'm, I'm very happy that I made the decision. I'm still scared out of my mind about it. Um, It wasn't an easy decision. But yeah, that was the one where I was like, this could go either way. I love it. And I'm glad you did it because that was such a cool event to, to be a part of. And, and since, so I lied, I'm going to ask you one more question now, okay. <clears throat> and it has to do with the event. If, if somebody's listening right now and they want to come out for the event in Denver in April, is, do they need to pre-register or anything like that? Where, where can they get more information on it? Yes. You have to buy a ticket. I'm also taking right now um, applications for active duty scholarships to attend. So if you're active duty or a spouse of active duty, and there'll be more scholarships coming out, but you can get all the information for the conference at millmoneycon.com. And it has information there about the conference. And you can sign up for the email list to get all of the updates for things like scholarships or just information and opportunities about, you know, what's coming out for the conference. That's the best way to stay connected. And then also on social media, Mill Money Con on all of the platforms would be a great way to also stay connected. Love it. Lacey, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you, Adam. I, this was a lot of fun. Absolutely. Folks, that's all the time that we got. Make sure you go check out LaceyLankford.com and then also check out MillMoneyCon.com as well. All that stuff is going to be in the show notes below. Um, And before we let you go, make sure you go check out our parent network, Heroes Media Group. Check out all the podcasts and new articles that are going up there. Until next time, you've been listening to The Decision Hour.